Hello and welcome to the May 10th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe, and it is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And, of course, it is wonderful to be out there with you. So, it's been a few days, and i got to (laughs) complain. I have to complain, and for once in my life, or I wouldn't say in my life, but in my podcast life, I am not going to moan and cry about mental pain. I'm going to cry about physical pain because something is going on and I think I need to get to a doctor. Uh, Listen, everybody here, at least in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, is suffering from allergies in one form or another. And it's very possible that you might even hear it in my voice. As I'm speaking right now, I could almost feel it. I could almost tell that Something is not right with my voice. Uh, There is some congestion to some extent going on, but it's not full-blown. And what's really concerning me is that my left ear is absolutely killing me. Really, it's really hurting me. Uh, So, and, And I have horrible memories of the last time I endured this type of pain in my left ear. There is a uh, if you go back on a on a previous episode, I might have shared a story with my audience in regards to a very bad car accident. I believe it was actually Alcohol 101. I would imagine I reported on that particular episode because alcohol was a big part of the accident that occurred at a time in my life when I was very young. I was a passenger in a driver's in a in a car ride in a passenger seat, and I made my way through the front windshield. And it ended up with uh, some, I ended up with some severe injuries, um, some reconstructive surgery. And one of the things that happened was a part of my upper jaw all the way towards the back, the way I hit the windshield, uh, it, it really messed up the three teeth in my left-hand side, which is ironically where my ear hurts. And eventually those teeth got so bad from damage, not not cavities, not infection, not anything like that, but so badly damaged, I would imagine, broken in the roots of some sort that I had this ongoing ear pain that was just astronomical that more or less affected every every imaginable part of my life, and ultimately those three teeth had to be removed. Uh, So I'm living without those three teeth. Could be worse, could be better. Now, this pain that I'm experiencing is relatively the exact same pain that I went through when those teeth were bothering me. The difference is I do not have any real toothache going on. Interestingly enough, the area in which those three teeth were, there are certain days that there is pain around that side. So it's leading me to believe that all of this is just a a reaction to allergies, and I'm hoping that's what it is. 
uh, you know, sometimes we, we're so stubborn, we just decide that, you know, we don't need a doctor. And I, and I probably should get to a doctor, and that's the God's honest truth. So anyway, enough about my physical ailments. Let's hope that uh, at some point this clears up, and if not, i got to get to a doctor. It's as simple as that. i got to just address this, go to my primary care physician, and let them at least look in my ear and maybe give me something for these allergies. The problem is, everybody, I do not do well on allergy medication. It really messes up my mind. It, simply put, just does not agree with my mental state. Uh, so I got to be very careful when it comes to that. So my mental state, I'm doing pretty well. I have to say I'm doing pretty well. I seem relatively stable. I wouldn't say I'm manic. I wouldn't say I'm depressed. But something occurred yesterday that I would say mimicked depression. And it made me think long and hard about the feeling that I had at that particular time. So let me let me paint the scenario for you. I have, for those of you who are parents, and this does not mean that this podcast cannot be related to those of you who are not, but I'm going to start off by addressing those of you who are parents, especially with children that are older. I am at a stage in my life right now where my older children being 12 and 14 have really, uh, how do I put this? They've really kind of left me. <laughs> and I'm not, I was never prepared for this. I, I'm not used to this stuff. I was the primary caregiver for my children in more ways than you can imagine as the father being a man. And whether it came, whether it was feeding bottles, middle of the night feedings, reading books before bed, putting on the bus, cooking dinner, cooking lunch, cooking breakfast, putting my two ch children in a stroller and going around town wherever we wanted and just being that proud father who raised his children, uh, raised them in the, in the most precious years of their lives, or at least what I perceive to be their lives. And really what it's come down to is, according to them, this is probably the most precious years of their lives because they have discovered something that we all discover at some point in our life, which is friends, boyfriends, girlfriends. And I'm starting to realize that I am second now to my children to some extent. And it's, it's had me in a way that I can't really explain uh, other than I guess the word is sad. It's made me very, very sad as of late. And the real kicker is my older son, Junior, had a concert last night at his school. And I, I just checked in with my ex-wife yesterday. I sent her a text message and I asked her what time the concert was, make sure it was at the right school that I thought I was going to. You know, even though my son gave me all this information, you always got to double check because a lot of times his information is not exactly, exactly on point and accurate. So I double checked, sent her a quick text, and the response that I got, which is one first and foremost, not one that I appreciate, meaning I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to be her friend. I don't want a rebuttal from her that has anything to do with other than the question that I am asking and her sending back an answer. Because this 
we get into this situation where my ex-wife thinks that we could be buddy-buddy, then she tries to take advantage of me, and then it ends up in an absolute war. And I have spoken about that on previous podcasts. I just wanted an answer. Anyway, she writes me back, and she gives me this answer. Now, granted, I'm at work, so here's the picture I'm painting for you. And again, I'm at work. I'm at my desk, and I send this text message, and she writes back. And along with writing back, I get an additional text message that says, look at what I found in the closet yesterday. And a picture comes through, and it is my older son, Junior, as a baby in his stroller. And it just so happens that I'm feeling all these things, and she sends this my way. Next picture comes through, and it's my oldest, my daughter, my only daughter, who is 14 now, and sends me a picture of the two of them together in a stroller. They couldn't have been older than four and two or three and one, something along those lines. And the next picture was my daughter, probably around the age of four, possibly five, and my son either two or three, and they were at uh, a, a, a farm, one of those petting zoos, and they were adorable. And it made me think about them being young, made me think about their, their childhood, their infancy, raising them how far I have come with them, how far they have grown. And remember, I'm at my desk, and uh, I just started to cry. I started to cry, and there were people in the office. And I did my very best to not cry out loud, um, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because I do have people in this office here who are supportive. Uh, but I kind of cried to myself. Now, this this story continues in the sense where Last night, after the concert, I came home, laid in bed, got prepared for uh, bedtime, and I decided to torture myself just a little bit more, and I started flipping through my cell phone and looking at pictures of my uh, one-year-old, Mickey. And when I tell you, each picture that passed... Each picture that I swiped through produced more and more tears to the point where I was literally sobbing, sobbing over the fact that my little baby, and my older ones are not babies anymore. They're always, you know, parents out there, they'll always be your babies to some extent. I guess that's what the problem is. They're always our babies, and although we'll always be their parents, we are no longer the primary person they'll always go to. Uh, they go to their friends at some point, and it's heartbreaking. So here I am looking at my, my youngest, my baby, in, in a picture, and I just started bawling. I started absolutely bawling uh, uncontrollably. So immediately I said to myself, what is going on here? Am I depressed? And I started analyzing, well, what are my other symptoms? What's going on? And that's with bipolar disorder, it's, it's, it's frightening because... As soon as something happens that, that is out of the, the norm, we automatically start to analyze whether we're in a mood swing or not. And what it comes down to is crying should not really be out of the norm. We don't only have to cry because we're depressed. Uh, crying is, is a good thing. That's what the 
purpose of this podcast is. Crying is a good thing, and I encourage everybody out there to cry when you feel the need to cry. And the problem is, we're good at crying, but we never seem to heal from what's hurting us, or at least we don't allow ourselves to heal. And I think it's important that we do allow ourselves to heal. And I have to tell you, after doing what I did last night, I felt a whole heck of a lot better. Again, crying is supposed to be good for you. That's really what it comes down to. If you look it up on the Internet, there will be all kinds of facts and medical definitions and actual um, factual information that will indicate that, believe it or not, the actual tears that flow out of your eyes, they contain toxins and they're important for lubrication and and it allows you to uh, have better function of your eyeballs, if that makes sense. And the truth of the matter is, when you cry, there are actually feel-good chemicals that are released into your body when we cry tears of sadness. And again, this is different from depression. I'm not speaking of depression. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking of sadness. And and I, it made me think, it made me wonder, well, there's got to be a reason why I felt better last night after crying, and there are some people that will disagree with me and say, well, you know, I cry all the time, but I don't feel better. And uh, here's what I've come up with, and I believe this is accurate, and I don't know, you may agree with me, you may not agree with me, you you write me an email, mrjobp at yahoo.com, tell me if I'm o- o- on base here, if I'm off, completely off. I look at it this way, if you're crying because you are going to criticize yourself in some kind of a manner, I think that is unhealthy, I think that completely cancels out the idea of crying and healing yourself. You can't criticize yourself. And, I, and I'll give you an example. I had a beautiful, I have two beautiful animals, two beautiful dogs. And uh, I was never really a cat person, but I did actually purchase a, or adopt a cat with my wife. This was going back probably three or four years ago. And I don't want to make it a, an elongated, dramatic story, but what it comes down to is this animal was absolutely beautiful, a beautiful cat. I don't remember the kind. It was actually had a breed. It was not even a, a mutt-slash-mixture. It was an actual breed cat. And we got it. We adopted it. And long story short, this particular cat lived exactly 30 days. It was fine the first week. Second week came, and it started to develop this protruding belly, stopped eating, stopped pooping, stopped peeing. We became instantly concerned, took it to the vet, thousands and thousands of dollars, adoption fee out the window, and ultimately this cat had something called FIP. Look it up if you get a chance. It's absolutely devastating, and after 30 days, we lost this animal. And myself and my wife, I remember spending an entire day in bed with my wife and crying, literally crying. Uh, and, And what had happened was, by the time that I was done shedding those tears, I realized that I had successfully cried the heartbreak out of my system. Now, again, this this animal was not some 
something or somebody, and I refer to it as a somebody, really, because animals are, while they're not people, they are fixtures like family members in our lives. Now, while this wasn't something that I had for a long time in my life, it was very short-lived, and it, it ended basically as quickly as it had begun, uh, it, it felt good to do it. And it was important that I did it. And, and had it been a longer time, like my, with my first dog, which was a Labrador, which I remember so vividly, this dog lived for 13 years or maybe even 15 years. I had a poodle that lived for 18 years. I remember crying after all of them. And because the, their lives lasted a little longer, well, you know what? It took multiple crying sessions to process all the heartache. Now, uh, just because this cat only lived 30 days, i got to tell you, I will look at pictures of this cat and I will still cry. So, but the most important thing in terms of what I didn't do during reflecting on the cat and thinking about the illness and the sickness and what I didn't do with my children was I made sure that I stopped, I would think, I would analyze whether or not I was crying and being hypocritical of myself. In other words, there was a part of me that almost wanted to say, you are such a loser, you are such a wackadoo, <laughs> why are you crying, uh, what's the big deal? I mean, come on, everybody goes through this. But I, uh, as quickly as I started to say that to myself, is it as, as quickly as I eliminated that from my head. And that was the key for me to feel better. I, I, again, criticizing myself over the fact that I was crying was not a good thing. It was not healthy to do that. So I, I stopped myself from doing that. And I realized... Basically, that my feelings at that moment and what I was feeling was actually a lot bigger than the particular loss, or at least they seemed bigger. But that doesn't mean that I was overdoing it. I'm allowed to cry. I was simply processing older feelings at the same time as I was developing new feelings. And it, 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 it offered me an opportunity to visit beautiful things in my life, joyous things, happy things. Unfortunately, not a whole lot with my ex-wife, but really wonderful, wonderful things about my children. And to me, that was a, a good thing, better out than, than in. So I had to come up with some pointers, some ideas, some suggestions to, because I know we cry and I know sometimes, I know my listeners cry and we don't just cry for depression. I want you to understand that it is, it is okay to cry and it is healthy to cry, but again, you have to do it the right way. And what that means is, guys, you don't have to wait until a mother or, or a father or a brother or a sister or a loved one, any loved one. You don't have to wait until somebody, God forbid, passes away in your life. You are allowed to cry about 
everything and anything that triggers you to cry. No matter how seemingly ridiculous or trivial it might seem, you are allowed to cry. And to me, I think it's very important that you cry for your own pain. You should. You know, when I was depressed, a lot of times I would cry over the pain that I thought my children were feeling over seeing me in a certain way. That's not a good way to cry. Uh, it's, it's, it's important that you realize that you're allowed to cry for yourself. You cry for your own pain. You're not being selfish. You don't always have to cry for somebody else. It's, it's okay to cry for yourself. I'm all right with crying during movies, listen to a sad song, throw on the radio, something comes on, something reminds you of something. It's a good way to let out some of that built-up emotion that many of us just hold in. We bottle it in. We don't do a thing about it. And every once in a blue moon, it's okay to let it go. Here's the other thing that I almost made this mistake, and i got to tell you, I, I started counting, not out loud, not internally, not by seconds or minutes, but I almost put a time limit on the amount of time that I was crying. I kept saying to myself over and over again, you know, at what point, Mr. Joe, are you going to get over this? Stop your nonsense. Stop your crying. And the good thing is, and and the only reason why I know these are good suggestions is because I made these mistakes yesterday and last night, and I had to talk myself out of them. So I was able to, I'm able to make this comparison and tell you what worked, what didn't make me feel better as compared to what eventually did make me feel better about crying. And when I was counting the time or putting a limit on the amount of crying that I was allowed to do, it, it did nothing for me. All it did is made me think about when is this going to end and when are you going to stop feeling the way that you're feeling. Don't do that. Do not set a time limit on crying. Who cares how many tears come out? My thing is, and I allowed this to happen, in particularly last night while I was swiping through those pictures, my heart, not my mind, my heart was going to decide when it was time to stop crying when I had enough because by putting a time limit on on the amount of crying that you do I really feel that you're never going to connect with that true source of where your pain is coming from Uh, so be patient while you're crying just allow it to happen and here was the other thing that I made sure that I did was now, again, let me paint a picture. My my wife was laying in bed with me, and she had gotten up to use the restroom, and that's when I started flipping through the pictures. That's when I started crying, but beforehand, her and I were watching a wrestling program. And here was something else that I realized was the key. Once I was done with my crying, I made sure that I looked at that TV and I popped that DVR back on and I resumed doing what I was doing, which was watching wrestling. you got to pick up where you left off. And listen, because sometimes it can happen at work. It happened at work for me yesterday. What was I supposed to do? Just stop what I was doing? Not work anymore? 
check in with yourself. It's okay to check in with yourself later on and see how you're feeling and analyze your feelings. Go in private. If things have not resolved within your heart, don't stress about it. You know, don't worry about it. You can't, you can't be stressed out if you can't recapture the pain that you previously had and you try to force yourself to cry. Just let it go. Let it go. It sounds like frozen. <laughs> and, you know, just, just continue doing what you were doing. You got to pull yourself out of it to some extent. Again, doesn't mean to stop because you're on a time limit, but continue doing what you're doing. And you know what? If you feel like you have not cried enough, go in private and finish it off. Keep going. Cry it out. Don't worry if, if, if you feel like you're not done. And here's something that I didn't do, but I, and, and I haven't practiced it, but I thought about it. And I have to say that it would probably make sense if we were to do this for ourselves when we are in the midst of crying. I think I talked about this criticism. Now, let me analyze this a little bit more. You don't want that self-talk while you're crying. You want to speak nicely to yourself. As, as, as elementary as that may sound, you want to speak only the kindest of words to yourself when you are crying. I, I mean, listen, I would not say to myself, oh, God, this is not a big deal at all. What am I worried about here? Or, you know, I'm being too sensitive right now, and I'm a man, so men don't cry. That's ridiculous. None of that is true. Instead, what I want you to say is say, honestly, say to yourself, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you feel this way, but you're allowed to feel this way. Don't say these things to make you stop crying. Say them in order for you to be compassionate to yourself. If you have to tell yourself, as silly as this might sound, that you love yourself, and I don't mean it in a conceited um, type of manner, that you love yourself, you love your life, and you're crying because of these reasons. Say them to yourself so that you develop that compassion rather than that self-criticism. That's my suggestion. I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense, but self-compassion to me is a big, big deal. The other thing that I realized, and my coworkers did not see me crying yesterday, but again, I had a support system here. And I was on the fence as to whether or not it was acceptable for me to cry while I was sitting in my office chair, because what if one of them turned around and saw me? But you know what? I think it's okay to cry in public. I really do. Now listen, if you're, if you're longing for attention, that's a whole other separate situation. We're not talking about the attention-seeking crying. And sometimes it's very hard to decipher between what is what, but let's just pretend we're, we're practicing what we preach here, and we know that we are crying to make ourselves feel better, then to some extent, I am okay with you crying in front of the right people. You actually might be surprised how many people would understand where you're coming from. 
listen, you don't, you're not a threat to other people. It's, you're somewhat vulnerable. And most people would be relatively accepting. If you have decent people around you, most people would be relatively accepting of the fact that you are sad about something. And they would embrace it. And a, a good support system, somebody like my partner last night, encouraged me to cry. Said, you know what? Keep it going. Do what you got to do. Make yourself feel better. So uh, this I do know. I, I actually, like I said, it is actually a medical fact, a medical truth that crying for many different reasons is actually a good thing for our minds, for our bodies, for our brains. It's not something that we should be ashamed of. Some people think because you're a man, like I said, yeah, men can't cry. I cry. There have been many, many times during this podcast that I've had to stop myself from crying, stop myself from opening up to my audience. Would it have been a healthy cry? I don't know. I don't know. It's very hard for me to analyze because a lot of times what I'm doing is what I don't want you to do, and that's feel sorry for yourself. A lot of times when I've almost openly cried during my recordings with my audience is because I'm thinking about the horrible things that I've done in the past and the, the horrible things that I've put people through and the, the predicaments and the danger in some aspects and the drug use and the parking lots that I pulled into, the lines of cocaine that I snorted, the money that I spent, the money that I wasted, the, the, the family members that I hurt, the fact that I I'm still lucky to be here on this earth and the number of chances that I was given, the number of opportunities that I have been, for some reason, rewarded with. And, and, and there are many times I don't understand why. There are many times I say to myself, you're not a good person. Look at all the horrible things that you have done in life. But I live my life now in a way where I don't necessarily want to make up for the poor choices that I've made because those things, they can't be changed. We have to understand that. We cannot, we can't come back from those things. We just have to move forward. That's all we could do. And crying about things and the mistakes that we've made in the past, they, they do us no good. They do us no good. And listen, many of those things are painful. And again, I'm not saying you can't. But if you're doing it because you feel sorry for yourself, then absolutely not. It's, not. it's not healthy. If you're doing it because you need to remember or need to remind yourself of the importance of moving forward and remaining healthy and staying positive, then I am okay with you crying. But if you are going to be in self-pity mode and... Oh, poor me, why me, why am I sick, and you're going to cry over the... It's not healthy. So that is not something that I would want you to do at all. And if you remember just one thing from this podcast, allow your crying to be self-compassion, if that makes any sense. Self-compassion. Allow your crying to be self-compassion. And then I think that we're on the road to a healthy cry. If you are living well, living well right now, you're, you're living with a mental illness, but you feel okay, I, I need you to keep working hard. If you love somebody, you care about somebody in your family, 
a friend. You have to continue to support that person if they have a mental illness. And right now, if you are struggling with a mental illness in one way or, or another, I need you to keep battling. And most importantly, I need you to soldier on. Thank you for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Have a good day, and I'll see you again soon.